Hello and welcome to the show. In this podcast, we have a guest, Germinal Jeevan, who is an economist and data analyst. Here we have discussed about why rich gets richer and poor gets poorer, how rich people save taxes, after the COVID-19 outbreak, why the world is saying K-shaped recovery. We have also discussed why governments all across the world spend tons of billions of dollars in the defense and national security. So you will get to learn a lot and listen to this podcast till the end. So hi Germinal, uh, welcome to the show. And uh, first of all, before we get started, I want you to introduce yourself. What do you do and what is your profession so that our audience can know about you? Sure. So um, my name is Germinal Van. And uh, I work as an economist and data analyst too. So I work as an economist for myself. I write books and I work as a data analyst for a company called Primary Intelligence, which is based in the state of Utah. And I live in Chicago. So it's a virtual company and uh, we work on market research. So we use quantitative tools to understand consumer behaviors and help companies uh, know how they can improve their performances. And um, so I was born and raised in Ivory Coast, which is a French-speaking country in West Africa. And uh, I did my schooling there until college. And uh, I, once I got to college, I moved to the United States and I studied political science. Okay. I got a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in political management. I never took a class of economics in my life. Uh, and uh, today I'm working in economics. In fact, I, I trained myself in the field. Uh, I never, as I said, I never took a class. I never knew before what was, what was supply and demand, those curves, none of that. So um, it, was a, it was a journey. But it was a very interesting journey. And, uh, and, okay. and I must say that I'm glad to be where I'm at today. Okay, okay. So, uh, I mean, uh, I, in your Instagram profile and in your YouTube channel, I saw that you have written uh, nearly 16 books on economics. So, I have, uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a total of 19 books. Oh, that's great. But uh, when did you think that you should go ahead with? The field of writing. Uh, so, okay, that's actually an interesting question. So, it was in 2018. I always wanted to write a book in my life, in fact. Uh, I always knew that I was going to write a book in my life at some point. But before, I wanted to be a politician. Oh. That's even why I studied political science. I wanted to be a politician. So, you know, when you're a politician, you have to write a book. When you go in campaign, it's a way, you know, to to get the voters to know you and to also make some money in the process. And, uh, but I never thought of making, of writing my career. Like, mm. you know, I never thought of doing that as a, as a profession, as a job, as, as a vocation, if I can put it that way. Because there's a difference between your job and your vocation. And uh, so I never thought of doing that as a vocation. To me, I thought that, you know, I will write a book when I'm much older and stuff like that. 
So I wanted to go to law school. And uh, that was after my master's. I wanted to go to law school. And I took uh, the LSAT. I don't know if you guys are taking the LSAT in India, but in, here in the United States, you have to take the LSAT to get into law school. I think in India, law school is at the bachelor's level, right? After, call, after high school, I think you can come. Yes, yes, you yes. You yeah, can exactly. have a bachelor degree of that. Yeah, in the United States, it's not the case. It's a, okay. it's a, a postgraduate. It's okay. a post-undergraduate uh, degree. So uh, you have to take an entrance exam. And then, so the LSAT. And I took the LSAT three times. And uh, it was hard. And uh, so there was the language. Um, so there was the language uh, barrier that was already a problem. And you have like uh, 35 minutes or 25 questions. And you have to think on your feet. Yeah, it's very challenging. So, um, at, but I still got into two law schools, but it wasn't the law schools that I wanted to go to. So I felt that I had to do something uh, to compensate that. And I always enjoy writing. In fact, I started writing when I was 16. Writing is not oh. something I started. Yeah, I, I've been writing for a long time. But the problem was that I was not able to complete the writing. What I mean by complete is that you start, but you don't finish it. Okay. So I wasn't able to finish it. And this time in 2018, I was like, I have to finish it. So when I was finally able to finish it, that was probably the proudest moment of my life after my marriage with my wife. And, uh, and that's when I officially published my first book, which I write, no, which I wrote in a matter of months. I was writing every day for nine hours. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I was dedicated to it. And then once I finally published it and I held the book in my hand, it, it was a great feeling. It's, I don't know how to explain it, but you have to, you actually have to experience it to understand what I mean. It's like being elected president. Only the person who's been elected can understand what it means. So once that was done, then writing books became almost a joke <laughs> because <laughs> the first, Publishing the first one is always the hardest. Once yeah, that is done, definitely, becomes, yeah, the rest becomes easy. So yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, and I start at first uh, in political science, legal theory, and then um, I got into economics after my by my fifth book when I started when I started learning about libertarianism. But we will get into that at some point. But that's how pretty much I got into writing. Also, yeah, that's amazing that uh, it, it has been uh, 19 books, as you just said, and it's not that easy. But the no, first one is the most difficult. And then you are you can just uh, continue writing more and more because it, it becomes more comfortable. It, yep. The flow becomes very comfortable and all such things. So, yeah, it's uh, it's great to have you and you are doing also great in in the field of economics. So if we start with my first question, which is very popular and you must have heard a lot that why rich gets richer and poor gets poor. What are the reasons, what are the economic factors and economic reasons that you consider that uh, rich people get richer no matter what the situation is? If we talk about the COVID-19, we saw that the 
there are there are a lot of billionaires who make who have made billions even in the worst case scenario like the covid and the poverty increased a lot the many economies collapsed and many lower middle class were uh, now in now in the poverty so what are your thoughts on this so before even getting into the economic part of it the true reason why the rich get richer and the poor, poor uh, and the poor get poorer it's simply a matter of mindset it's psychological because the rich learn how to diversify their money the rich never rely on one income the poor gets as we say in the united states 9 to 5 job yeah. and that's it you will never get rich with your 9 to 5 because your 9 to 5 is simply meant for you to live and living means you pay your bills you pay your taxes and that's it and the thing is that the the rich get richer because before the rich becomes rich right every rich person normally work 9 to 5 but the rich people pay themselves first what does it mean paying yourself it means that when you get a salary you set 15 to 20% aside that you put in your savings and you put in stocks or any other type of investment okay they already saved that and then the rest they use that to pay the bills immediately the poor person does the opposite this they they pay whatever bills and then the rest that's what they trying to save or spend you don't do that you save first saving is investment you use that money whenever you get your salary at the end of the month you take 15 to 20% off you and you put that in the savings and you allocate that in stocks or other ventures as i said and then the rest you pay the bills or spend whatever you want that's number one number two which people do not think in terms of consumption they think in terms of investment which people are not about con- consuming consuming is for poor people that's why when poor people want to buy things they always look at the price rich people look at the value and usually whatever things that is valuable is expensive because it has value why do you think buying real estate is so expensive because it increases over time rich people will spend money on things they don't need they will spend money on assets that depreciate like such as cars you're going to go buy a car take a loan buy a car but the minute you start driving that car the value depreciates but when you get a real estate whether it's a condo or a house or whatever the value will increase over time you renovate it and you know you do all kind of work to match it to the price of the market So if you buy a condo today let's say at $300,000 and you decide to sell that condo in 10 or 20 years you can call your accountant is going to or your real estate agent they're going to do the the math and see what is the value of your condo at the market price of 20 years you know at 20 years later and of course if you bought it at 300 you're going to sell at probably 6 7 or even a million you make a yeah, profit yeah. of it this is something that poor people don't do so this is first of all a, um, a a mindset behind it now economically speaking why would the rich get richer and the poor get poorer the rich have access to resources that allow them to not pay taxes 
For okay. instance, Amazon. Why Amazon doesn't pay taxes? Because Amazon makes sure that their expenses match their revenue. If your expense match your revenue, there's no tax to pay. You only pay tax on profit. That's what Jeff Bezos does. <laughs> That's what he does. So yeah, entrepreneurs no. always have advantage in uh, paying less taxes. Yeah. Oh but yeah. But it 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 is good. Right? It is good according to me. It is just my opinion because entrepreneurs are giving employment to thousands yeah. of people. So Absolutely. it is good even if they don't pay taxes. Their employees are also paying taxes. But but you know, and, and it's funny because what people don't understand is that without entrepreneurs, they will have no jobs in the first place. People are complaining. Yeah, the business doesn't pay taxes. Yeah, the rich are getting rich. Yeah, but it's because of the rich you're employed. It's because of the rich you're employed, so you can purchase a a, a, um, uh, a house or a condo or whatever, so you can purchase a roof where you can live. You can purchase a car for you to move from point A to point B, and you are and you can take you can put your your kids to school. How can you send your kid to school without employment? Without you paying for the school he goes to. Are you going to send your, your kid to government-owned school where education is is poor because no one cares? So 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 that's the point. Like it's it's easy to always blame the rich for everything, but without the rich, there is no employment. Without the rich, there is no economy. Simple exactly. Example. There is no economy. They're the one who create the economy. They're the one who have a vision. They create a product or a service that they believe will benefit society. The I forgot the name of the the founder of Zoom, but today is a billionaire. In a matter of a year, exactly yes. Business. But thanks to but thanks to his product, which is Zoom, I'm talking to you. Exactly, and right? and I'm before the pandemic, it was not that much popular. But yeah, as soon as the pandemic began, it. Significantly grows like it has. Yeah. It has. It is now at one hundred and fifty, two hundred billion dollar company, and that is huge. Uh, I mean, surge in market capitalization. Exactly. See, the government we would not do that. The government doesn't create a product like Zoom. This is private initiative, and entrepreneurship is private initiative. So that's why the person who takes the risk to create a product or a service that he or she believes that will benefit society must have the reward of that product or service he created. Okay. That's why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And let me explain why they get why the poor get poorer, economically speaking. The poor do not create, or should I say, the middle class, because in fact the poor don't pay taxes. You can't pay taxes if you don't have any income. So yeah. the middle class. So the middle class pays taxes more than anybody else. Why? Because the middle class doesn't create wealth. It's the owners of the means of production who create wealth. So because the middle class doesn't create wealth, so basically the money doesn't the money they make doesn't contribute directly to the creation of wealth in society. So they so they they get to put the money to work they get the money they get the uh, they have to get the money to contribute so how they make that happen through taxes okay. so that's why they get more they get taxed more than anybody else because the rich as i said they have the resources to afford accountants that would tell them all the legal ways 
for them to not pay taxes. For instance, if you own a yacht, you can use that as a second home. Yeah. For you to not pay taxes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It, it's so, really interesting. Yeah. They're, they're like, I watched a video by um, Elux. It's called 15 Ways to Avoid Paying, 15 Ways the Rich Avoid Paying Taxes. It's on YouTube. You should watch it. They tell you 15 ways. And they're all legal. It's not illegal at all. They're all legal. But that's one which people do. And you can't get yeah. mad at it. <laughs> they, and you cannot they, blame for that because it is legal. Yeah. And, and for instance, why, have you noticed that every rich person is buying like art collections? No, I'm not aware about that. Oh, yeah. Rich people always b- b- buy like paintings. And yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. There's a reason behind it. They don't do it because they love art. Because, or, or, because owning art collection is a way to avoid paying taxes. Oh, and is a way to also make money on that. Because if you buy an art collection, let's say at $3 million, you can sell that very same art collection at $20 million. I don't know if you're, if, you're, um, if you're familiar with Ken Griffin. So Ken Griffin is the um, hedge fund manager of Citadel. Citadel is a very famous hedge fund here in Chicago. He's one of the greatest hedge funds in the world. Okay. He bought, he bought a painting for 80 million and that picture is not even great yeah 80 million why on earth you pay a a painting for 80 million but imagine the day he gets tired of it and he wants to sell it imagine the price and that's and and the price will definitely go up because he has purchased the product and the person who has purchased the product is already a millionaire Exactly. Absolutely. Now you understand. Yeah, that's how it works. He is going to, to sell it at a price that is even much higher than the price at which he bought or the, he bought the collection art originally. That's how it works. Another way is donation. Why do you think billionaires do do philanthropism because they have a great heart? Maybe some of them do. Sure, I can't I, I can't say all of them are manipulated, but the reason behind it, of course, is monetary. Because when you do donations, you don't pay taxes because you donate your money to charity for a good cause. Yeah. It's illegal. So this (laughs) is how the system works, right? Yeah. So rich people know how to take advantage of the system. Yeah. Poor people don't. Yeah. So now the question is, how can a poor person become rich? The very sure way is to create a company. You create a yeah. company that sells a product or a service that you believe would benefit people. Exactly. That's how you do. Because companies are like real estate. They increase in value over time. Because see, people argue that... Uh, sorry for interruption. No, no, no worries. People argue that uh, poor people have uh, less resources available. But if we compare with the generational, uh, for example, our parents had less resources than ours and our grandparents has uh, had almost no resources to start any business kind of stuff. We are living in the world of technology and it is very easy to start a business. It is We can just start our online business in just a one day. It is that simple. But still oh, yeah. people believe that 
it is hard to do any kind of business it is hard to develop a product and services and all kind of stuff it is hard to buy sales sellers and all such things so it's like people are uh, most people are not uh, feeling comfortable to adopt the entrepreneurial thing right it is my opinion so what do you think about that i agree with your opinion but the thing is let me uh, let me add to it the thing is that if you're not comfortable creating an online business if you have no resources available to you and you're not comfortable and you're not comfortable doing it then don't complain about the fact that the rich are getting richer that's the point yeah so don't complain about it because as you said at the time of our grandparents they had literally no resources and yet they still manage to create something of value our parents had more resources than our grandparents but our parents did not have the resources that we had and yet yeah. they still managed through it and create things of value now as a, as you say as like all, all you need sometimes like to create your own business you can simply create a podcast you already have a podcast yeah and people I'm, I, i don't know how you monetize it but i guess if your podcast is famous now people pay for pay to listen to you simple it, it it's a long term process but you have to yeah. trust the journey exactly and, and and that's the thing is because people want instant gratification value yeah. takes time exactly why do you think a real estate increase in value over time there's a reason let me give you a very simple example Are, have you heard of warren buffett yeah i i, I consider him as a mentor exactly and 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 you're right for doing so and the company that he owns it's called Berkshire Hathaway he's a ceo of Berkshire Hathaway and when he started Berkshire Hathaway the stock price of Berkshire Hathaway was $18 in the 50s or 60s do you know how much the the, the stock cost today nearly 350 350,000 or so according to me no. as i just last say, last heard you 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 can't close 400,000. Oh my god. And you know what is 400,000? This is the salary of the president of the United States. Oh. One stock of Berkshire Hathaway equals the the salary of the president of the United States. Think about this for a second. <laughs> Unbelievable amount of wealth. Right? But what happened is because Berkshire Hathaway grew in value over time. That's why Warren Buffett is so rich. Not because of his salary. Warren Buffett's salary is $100,000. That that's actually his salary. That's why he pays himself. Yeah. But the stock of his company, the ownership he has over Berkshire Hathaway and the fact that Berkshire Hathaway owns other companies such as Geico are the reason why he's one of the richest people on the planet. Yeah. That's how it works. and majority of the company he owns are in the fortune 500 so they are yeah. already already massive companies at oh, the yeah. moment absolutely so you said that about instant gratification i would like to add uh, two more points over here that i heard that uh, i observe not only in india but also in the united states people are so fascinating towards stock market and crypto trading because they want to make quick money just like that and if we talk about especially if we talk about cryptocurrency you will see that 
there is a massive amount of volatility is there so you you can see that in just one week the market cap of uh, like crypto can fall down by 40 to 50% that's very normal in in the world of crypto but still people would do it because they want quick money and 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 that's a problem you you, you see there's it's it's deeper than economics as i said it's psychological yeah and it's even sociological people don't understand that everything starts i'm not even religious but it's written in the bible god okay. when god cursed adam he said you will have to work to the sweat of your of your forehead to earn your bread that is the most powerful phrase ever it tells you everything you need to know about the human condition is to say that no matter what you do any things of value you have to work for it. it means that it will take time you will not see the yeah. result immediately that's what it means so there is no escalator or uh or there is no um how how we, how we call it lottery uh, winning kind of facilities yeah you have to take the stairs yeah you have to take each step to get to the top there's no escalator there is no uh, elevator yeah elevator that's how yeah, we call yeah, it yeah. i think in in um in india you guys call it like lift something like that yeah yeah when, yeah so that, that that's what it is you you do not get rich by ponzi scheme you do not yeah. get rich by shortcuts yeah and these yeah. days it is like crypto is like pump and dump strategy yeah and 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 i think crypto is is going to collapse it's a matter of time yeah this thing and and people say oh yeah like crypto is better than than the dollar but here's the thing crypto has no intrinsic value people exactly. will say yeah but the dollar but the dollar doesn't have also intrinsic value but that what is the difference between the dollar and crypto although the dollar is just paper the dollar is legal tender it yeah. is backed by the united states government that's number one and number two the dollar is used all across the world because we trust it because we agree to use it as the medium of exchange if i decide to today to go to mumbai or to new delhi i don't have the indians rupee but if i give you a dollar you will take that dollar because you trust it you say hey yeah no matter where you go that's where we use yeah i will simply convert i can i will simply convert rupee into i will simply sorry dollar into rupee and it's that simple exactly yeah but crypto doesn't have that power yeah i mean no. everything has i don't know why but uh, some people are so much optimistic about crypto so we are not going into that topic i being a value investor and being a hardcore believer of long term investing i also believe Me too. that Me crypto too. The cryptocurrency you, you, has no value. Do you do, do you do fundamental analysis? Yeah, I mean not thoroughly, but I checked about uh, like uh, revenue, profit, and uh, debt, and all such things, which are very basic in fundamental yeah. analysis. But I can yeah. say, yeah, I do some little kind of fundamental analysis. Yeah, because uh, because in 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 finance you have. fundamental analysis and technical analysis yeah. i mean i do technical analysis for short term but i also have my long term stocks okay. and the stocks i have are basically bonds and commodities okay that it's there i don't touch it 
So the way it works is that I have three stocks that are just something that I can switch, you know, I can like sell and buy for the short term. And then I have two stocks. One is one is a bond and one is a um, commodity. That one is for the long term. I don't touch it. It's like locked. That's how I invest. So I do yeah. technical and of course, I also do a fundamental analysis. Okay. So if we move ahead, uh, mm-hmm. what do you think about the future of American economy? I mean, uh, if we talk about the history that it, it uh according to me as far as i know that it all uh, the revolution started when the the when the silicon valley was found like the tech businesses established like intel hp then apple microsoft then we can say amazon google facebook all these tech companies started establishing business and they are they started going global and they are uh, they are now billion dollars of uh, revenue and they are making a billions of profits so we can say it all st- uh, began a massive surge in the us economy began when the technological revolution occurred in that but right now uh, if we focus that it is uh, almost saturated and according to me the us economy is focusing more on space travel and uh, mars uh, kind of thing so what do you believe on that because the next big thing us economy always focuses on innovation as far as i know and as the tech startups have saturated that limit and the next big thing i consider is space so what do you think about that i mean space is definitely up there but even before space space is even like long term it's artificial intelligence it's okay. it's robotics even in in professions such as law people are creating robots that are going to work as paralegals so the job of paralegals is going to be extended very soon so it's okay. in fact it's robotics now one i'm more intrigued about is how people will find a way to in, to implement consciousness into into robots yeah that's scary and because and people will do it i'm sure researchers will definitely do it because all you need is a mad scientist find the magical formula of how to implement consciousness into robots because the minute robots are able to think for themselves i think we're done as humans So that's why it is it would be important as well to implement regulations on on how technology is going because it's a matter of time. Yeah. Robots are going to be created and to take to I mean they'll be created to perform jobs you know that yeah. humans actually do. Like Uh, okay plumber i don't know plumber has been ex- is a job that has been existing for a very long time but knowing human beings how human love innovation people will find a way to create robots that would do uh plumber jobs or carpentry something like that they're already creating as i said already creating uh robots to do paralegal work okay. legal research or anything it's a matter of time before they even start creating robots that would do that will become lawyers okay yeah <laughs> yes. i mean so it, it's it's uh, it's scary so um 
And the, the space, um, the space race has always been there since the sixties. People always wanted to find human beings have, have always been curious about space in tree that we say, because human beings are fundamentally convinced that the earth is not the only place where living yeah. beings exist. That, that's yeah. why yeah. they're up there. They're convinced that there is another planet where that's where the concept of aliens started. There are people like us who may have different cultures, different values, who live somewhere. Yeah. So that, that's what it is. And on top of that, they, they want to check if planet like Mars is where if 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 it's possible for us to settle there. I don't know, man. Like personally, the space thing, I'm not too thrilled about it. I think it's like their deal. I think on Earth we, we already have too many problems already. Yeah. Before focusing on like somewhere that is not even close to us. But uh like the, the, the future of the US economy is the is is basically robotics. Okay. A lot of things will become automatic. People are losing their jobs. And and COVID showed it. COVID showed. Because what happened with COVID is that the economy took the shape of a K. Yeah. What, what is that shape of a K? So people who are in tech or know anything that is quantitative. So if you know statistics, econometrics, math, and coding, stuff like that, people who are in, in those fields, they went up. But people who are in doing physical work, such as like barber, server, all these jobs. Restaurants, aviation sector. They all went down. Yeah. That's the key shape. So it's like, uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. Uh, if, I, uh, if I go ahead with that particular point that the COVID has completely changed the way, I mean, people live. So uh, what do you think that... Uh, when will all this recover or they all all or all these businesses will have to shift their business model to some level in the field of technology yeah so for instance one thing like restaurants for instance will have to do is to create uh, delivery services now yeah like so that- in the us you have doordash yeah, so so that people can order online and then the food get delivered to their place rather than going, you know, sitting at the restaurant. So yeah, that that that's that's how to compete. Even for barbers, barbers, I don't know, but uh, we 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 must also be realistic to some extent. Okay, we are human beings, and although the virtual world, the technological world, is great in terms of having access to resources and stuff. We're still human beings and we still to deal with organic stuff. You know what I mean? Like we still need to touch things like, because we are, at the end of the day, a bus driver remains like, you can drive a bus through the computer. This is something technology can't really do much about it. Right? Or like, uh, I'm thinking of like something else that would be hard to replace with technology. Like, Yes, like people are already creating cars that can drive themselves without you being behind the wheel. But uh, we can also say psychological consulting and all such things 
which require yeah. human interaction personal exactly. human interaction exactly because exactly when you go see a psychologist you want to talk yeah some you and, and human connection is is something that technology will have a hard time replacing yeah even is the same like even when people have sex with like sex dolls yeah and they stop falling in love with the doll but it's a doll yeah <laughs> it's a doll and she the doll cannot talk back to you there is but, no human interaction in that exactly but if you having sexual relationship with a human being then there is a connection there is a connection because the feelings are being either reciprocated or you getting or she rejects you and you're heartbroken blah 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 but the point is that there is a human interaction and i don't know how technology will be able to completely replace human interaction and human interactions are important because at the end of the day what we see in the virtual world is based on the real world when you see someone on instagram showing himself or herself at the beach is because that person is actually at the beach <laughs> right is because that yeah. person is actually at the beach so the real world remains a real world and it is important and we still have to preserve it i'm a strong proponent of technology in fact i'm i'm like in the process of creating my own online business very soon so i'm i'm a strong proponent of that but we are human beings and we need to to maintain our nature as human beings in human interaction yeah yeah that's that's really your thoughts are really great towards i mean why human interaction is very much important in our everyday's life yeah so the next thing uh, which is really fascinating for me because i always wanted to know this but uh, eventually when i tried to find on the internet i didn't get the proper answer so the question is what does it mean by having huge gold reserves and crude oil in america i mean uh, it's like when i heard that us is printing trillions for stimulus the reason is uh, said that they have a good number amount of gold reserve and crude oil so even if the their economic crisis they the country will definitely survive because they have the gold reserves gold reserves and crude oil so what does it mean by that and how can we relate it with the printing money and giving it to the people well the thing with crude oil is that oil is used literally every day for almost everything and oil is even what we use to for for gasoline so if the price of gasoline is increasing significantly then the price of crude oil is also going to increase significantly If you look at the Venezuelan economy for instance why the Venezuelan economy collapsed because they based their entire economy on oil yeah oil reserve so the minute the price of oil tanked the Venezuelan economy tanked too yeah. oil is always used oil is a commodity now i don't know to what extent people will continue to rely on oil that's what they create they creating like ecological a uh, technology where we won't have to rely too much on oil and gas and pollute the air and stuff like that the 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 people are working on that but for now oil still plays a a, a very important role so based on the price of oil the federal reserve determines how much money they can print yeah 
is called quantitative easing. And uh, so it's like based on at the price that other countries are willing to, 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 uh, to pay the oil reserve of the United States, the Federal Reserve determines, okay, if the, the, the oil reserve costs, I don't know, X amount, we're going to print Z amount to equate that. So that's how they proceed. So oil, oil is still very, um, very relevant for the US economy because we use energy for everything, cars, for uh, uh, for engine, we use it in a ton for for a ton of things. I can't even cite like the examples, but I know that like cars is the primary reason why we use crude oil because there's no gasoline without crude. Oil. Yeah, aviation is the biggest sector. We should say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, also the another thing that pops up in my mind is the defense sector historically it is because of that uh, defense sector uh, defense based companies are one of the most profitable because oh, yeah. they sell uh, products to another rival countries for instance the united states uh, sell product products to pakistan which is a rival country of india mm-hmm. and uh, russia sell uh, sells products to india as, and this is how the system works, right? Israel, uh, US and Israel uh, combine uh, develop products and they are like friendly countries. Everything happens in Israel. US will say, US will say that don't worry, we are with you. So this is how the, I mean, this is how the businesses are working across the globe. That mm-hmm. uh, defense sector is the key thing. No matter how good the situation is, the countries will keep buying more and more equipments and, and the country will ensure that they don't make any kind of compromises in their national security. Well, I mean, as we say, peace through strength. Yeah. You know, since nuclear weapons exist, they, they've not been used and unless for Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Yeah, that's the only time. And honestly, they used that. There was no reason to use the nuclear weapons either. Truman used the nuclear weapons in Nagasaki and Hiroshima just to show to the world how powerful the how United powerful States. the United. Yeah, exactly. That's the true reason. Because the because usually whenever they develop a new bomb, they go into the desert and they do their yeah. experience there. But this time they want to experience it on people to see the actual effect. Like what actual destruction. Do. Yeah. And they saw and they're like, okay, no. And so nuclear weapons have been used as a way to keep peace. I remember I took a class in college called Politics and Military Strategy. It was one of the best classes I took in political science. It's all about national security and how like nuclear weapons impact our defensive weapons. They're not yeah. offensive weapons. You, 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 you have them to tell others that, hey, don't mess with me. Look at India and Pakistan. India and Pakistan is just two countries of the same people. Let's be honest. It's like the British and the Irish. It's the same people. Yeah. Pakistanis are Indians who are Muslims, period. That's what it is. Yeah. But because of... Yeah, you know very much about India and oh, Pakistan. Yeah. That's really great thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, trust me. I, I, I know a little bit. I don't know 
too much about India, but yeah. I know I, I know some things about India and and because of religion, that's why they separate and both got nuclear yeah. weapons. Now they've been. Uh, it, it, it was it was a strategy of Britishers, like divide and rule. Can you yeah, hear? And and, I, and and now yeah. the Nazi and now the Nazi hate each other. Sorry, I say because you know each country. So Pakistan and India both got their nuclear weapons. Yeah, the peace. Yeah, but it's not because the spies are their best friends. They nicely hate each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They nicely hate each other. Say, hey, how you doing? <laughs> but whenever I can screw you, I will screw you. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, and 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 it actually keeps the peace. It actually keeps the peace. So, uh, so that's why defense. That's why many governments, especially governments that have like nuclear weapons, they keep spending on defense. They keep spending on defense. They keep spending on defense. And that is that is even one of the reasons why North Korea never attacked the US. But North Korea is overspending on national security. And North yeah, no, Korea no. spends nothing on other kind of things. Their only focus is on national security as far as yeah. I know. Oh yeah, no, no. And, 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 and that's what I was saying. And that is the, the reason why North Korea was not able to attack the United States because they focus because the US focus on defense. Right? They focus on defense because if people are complaining, oh yeah, like we spend too much on defense, but imagine we stop spending on defense. Because Kim Jong-un is waiting. Yeah. Kim Jong-un is waiting. Even China is waiting. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the US and China never went to war because they both have they both have nuclear weapons. Nuclear yeah. weapons is the is the deal to to keep the peace because when you watch the explosion of Nagasaki in Hiroshima, oh my god. Yeah. The mushroom of smoke. <sighs> And you drop that on human beings, damn. Horrible. That was harsh, right? That was hard. Truman went a little too far there just to show how strong the US was. It was just too much. Yeah, that, that was too much. Uh, and uh, the last thing that I would like to ask you over here is that uh, about unemployment. Yeah. That uh, in the United States, uh, when the COVID began, uh, United, uh, the unemployment rate was all-time high historically. Uh, I read in the CNBC. So, and uh, after the, when the Trump was about to, uh, the election was about to near, the unemployment was, was really low that uh, everyone, the statistics were saying that people uh, now have job uh, and uh, the things are getting back to normal and also things. So what do you think about it? What do you think about unemployment? Why it is so important and, and why the government should focus a lot more on unemployment? Well, if there is no employment, there is no economy. Simple as that. People need to work to create wealth. If people, if as you saw, everybody was at home. Look at what happened. Unemployment tank. Yeah. GDP went negative. Uh, even uh, even the total GDP, so the trillions of dollars that the, the country produced every year, tanked, everything tanked. So humans are the ones that make the economy going. 
yeah. you leaving your house in the morning to go to the office or to go to work and come back at night is why the economy is going. And when you saw in March, from March 2020 to January, February 2021, that was over, a, that was like 14, 15 months. People yeah. were staying home, going crazy. Nothing was going on to the point that we have to send stimulus checks twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That tells you everything you need. Like um, Employment is very important. Without employment, there is no economy. Of course, there will always be unemployment because everybody cannot be employed at the very same time. Yeah. It, it's impossible. That's why, for instance, you have people, someone who's going full-time to school cannot be full-time employed as well. Because yeah. the way employment is measured is like uh, the work you do full-time, if you work less than 20 hours, you're not considered as employed, something like that. They have like some measurements to consider what employment is. But uh, people who were full-time employed were at home during COVID. And that significantly hurt the economy. But people, again, people who, who, who were in the tech industry or people who have quantitative skills, it didn't matter. They're home, they have the computer, and they do their math or they do their technology stuff, or they do the coding stuff. It didn't matter, but someone who studied history, okay, you study history, what job are you going to do now? This coding. Yeah. All museums are closed. What are you going to do? Yeah. Right. So, uh, so we can connect it with, as we just discussed back, that it's a K-shape. Yeah. Exactly, it's the cashier. Yeah, yeah, it's the cashier because COVID only benefited people who had quantitative skills, and that is what I did in fact during COVID. Because during COVID, I was laid off. I was working in sales, so what I did was I was taking math classes online through yeah. Khan Academy. I'm, I'm, have you heard of Khan Academy? Yeah, yeah, Khan Academy. I'm aware about that. Oh yeah, I love Salman Khan. He's, he's my man. He's a uh, he's great. He's the one who created things. Like you see, Indian people, man, you guys are smart. You guys are, like always focus on on technology and data science. That's your thing. Yeah. And so I was so and his classes are free online. Yeah, it's so free, said, completely free. Right. And I say, okay, you know what? I'm going to train myself. So I started with pre calculus, calculus one, calculus two, calculus three. Now I'm on calculus five. I have to do like some partial differential equations. Because my goal is to get into stochastic calculus, which is what they use in finance. Uh, okay. Yeah, for uh, for quantitative trading, and so I was training myself in that, and I trained myself in econometrics. All Yo. of that. Yeah. So when I started applying for jobs again in like September, I got one as a data analyst in December, in like in like late November. Okay. But if I didn't make the, sh the shift, because initially I studied political science, you know, very qualitative. It has no relation with calculus. Right. So if I didn't make the shift from qualitative to quantitative, I would have probably still been unemployed now. Yeah. yeah. It's a, so I, I now I'm part of the K shape. I'm part of the upside of the K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I want to add uh, one more point 
it, it's yeah. a, just a small advice from my side as you are as you become good at the mathematics uh, it allows you to be a good computer programmer as well and which enables you to make tons of money uh, because the programming is completely based on logic that you need to have good at mathematics so that is what just i know that uh, if you are good at mathematics it becomes easier to become a good programmer yes it's true but i hate programming okay as funny as that no seriously like it, there's nothing wrong with programming yeah um it's just not my thing like i um i mean don't get me wrong i use r this the the programming language software r yeah. i use it but i don't like it because i'm a scholar i write books to educate people that's yeah. what i do. you see what i mean that's what i do yeah i don't I, because i could easily learn programming all i have to do is to go on youtube type python uh i call it python lectures and then for 6 hours you sit in front and you learn all the coding you need i can do that but i'm not passionate about coding even like all the regressions i used in my books are basically from excel i don't even yeah. use r like that the reason why i use r was because i took my statistical i, I did a certificate in statistics from coursera and you were compelled to use r that's why otherwise i would have never used those those programming language but okay if you're good at mathematics absolutely you're good at programming yeah absolutely because it's it's a continuation the, the, the and the mathematics you focus on to do programming is called discrete mathematics okay where the then the numbers are 0 and 1 that's why in programming you have 0 1 the binary numbers exactly. yeah yeah you use discrete mathematics to do that at some point i was even thinking of working as a quant you know what quants are no i am not aware about it so a quant so a quantitative analyst is the financial analyst so is an analyst who works in the financial sector specifically for banks in mutual fund hedge funds okay and they use quantitative method to predict the market oh where I the see. market is going and those people are well paid the problem is that if you want to work as a quant you need they force you to use programming language okay that yeah. of feel like learning coding like like thoroughly i don't i'm not i'm not i'm not ready for that what i like is what i like doing is doing classical econometrics like doing my regressions to test economic variables or using mathematics to develop a theory and that's it as i oh, said i'm a scholar you know yeah. you more love teaching about economics mathematics and all such things rather yeah. than i'm mean, uh, focusing on capitalistic approach to just oh, yeah. become a coder and you don't like that you are just focusing on what you just love right exactly yeah exactly yeah i mean don't get me as i said like, i can i can really code if i want to i just not passionate about yeah but if i know that coding is required for me to make money sure i'll code i don't mind coding i would have to do this probably go to a boot camp it's intense ba 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 do you become a data scientist i can do that but it's a i mean intellectual i love like sitting down and thinking writing books that's what i do that's where i develop 
that's why I deploy my entire intellectual magnitude. All right, all right. So finally, is there anything that you want to ask me? Yeah, what do you do beside your podcast? Yeah, basically, I am uh, an uh, I'm an investment advisor. I advise regarding specifically mutual funds investment that how mm. one can invest uh, in mutual funds and create wealth for the longer period of time uh, by understanding the risk taking ability. I advise them that you should invest in these type of mutual funds. You should avoid avoid investing in these asset classes and also things. And apart from this, I also make I also write and write content regarding uh, like uh, personal finance, real estate, uh, and also things for the US clients. So uh, if there is a, a financial consultant and a money coach in the United States, uh, he will approach me for the finance and uh, real estate regarding content. And I sell my content and it can be video and uh, written words so if for, for freelancing i do this uh, which is uh, content writing and content writing regarding finance only so this is what i do and for a hobby i'm just doing the podcast i'm and i'm meeting the people like you having a huge knowledge of a specific field and i love doing it and i am also learning a lot of things by doing this so this is what i do this is awesome. Do you plan on taking on turning your podcast into like an actual business, like an LLC or something? I actually I would love to do, but uh, see, I'm uh, I, it's just a learning process. I'm just learning. I'm and I'm just uh, focusing that uh, how the journey goes. I'm just experimenting that uh, if I'm good at podcasting or not, and what are the future potential of it, and can I. Uh, make uh, make it uh, as a professional business. How can I monetize it? And all the things that I'm doing, I'm I'm just focusing on implementing, and then mm -hmm. I will just focus to fix that. Can I do this or not? So this is what I that is that this is what the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. And by doing this, the the end goal is that uh, if let's say if I'm good at financial consulting, I can do financial consultation by just a Zoom call like this, mm -hmm. one and two hour of consultation i can make money out of that so yep. it is a long-term process like uh, mm -hmm. one one year two year and also things gradually as soon as i learn then it it will become easier for me to consult absolutely well, well that's that, that's good to know that's good to know like that good to know. yeah so thank you so much for having me uh sorry no thank you for <laughs> as you say thank you for having me on your platform Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was great having you on the show. I even I learned a lot about U.S. economy and overall economics as well. So it was great having you on my show. Thank you. Very so much. yeah, I mean, uh, thank you so much.